Welcome to Lift City Church Podcast, where we lift people into their next level relationship with Christ. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we're believing God that this message lifts you to another level. Now listen to me. I believe that, and maybe you can identify with this, I believe that there comes a time in every person's life, or probably multiple or several times in people's lives where we all come to a crossroads. Anybody know what I'm talking about? A crossroad is kind of like a place where you come to where you have to make a decision, right? You have to decide which direction I'm going to go in. I believe that every person comes to this crossroad in life where they have to decide whether or not they're gonna remain status quo, whether they're gonna be average, or they're gonna choose the path of extraordinary. Every person has an opportunity in life some of you probably have already reached that crossroad. For some of you, the crossroad might be what, right now because I'm telling you, there's a place and a point in life where you have to decide, am I just going to keep doing what I'm doing, keep being what I'm being? Am I just going to be status quo? Am I decide to just be average? Or am I going to decide to make the jump to extraordinary? That's the crossroads. And with that in mind, I want you to know that this next lesson series that I'm going to be teaching on is called the uh, Better Me Summer Series. Wow. Yeah, if you're going to clap, clap. Don't panic. <laughs> Better Me, you have something? Go ahead, babe. Yeah, I was, I, I'm just, I mean, God is so good. He, I mean, he'll give you anything to use as an example. And I'm thinking like, what you did, you stood up for me. I ain't standing up for no man. Mm. Uh, you don't take your word, like, don't take my weapon away from me. Some of y'all don't even treat the Bible like it's of any value to you. The honor, think about this. We're probably getting a lesson today. The God said he's giving gifts, pastors, apostles, prophet, pastors, teacher, for the perfecting of the saints. For the work of ministry. But you say I ain't standing up for no man. If you can't even honor the voice of God in this house for your life, how are you going to be perfected? Because the very gift that God gave you, I ain't standing up for no man. You don't even understand those principles. So we're going to talk about how to be better in life. Amen. How to get out of some traditions and some things, some stinking thinking that's been held for years. We're going to break the mold and give you some new reason and new life and some new concepts and principles to think about when you go here. But you got to put them into practice. That's right. It, it, it's not enough for it to come out of our mouths and deposit it. If you don't take it, the devil does what? Immediately he comes for what? To get the word. Come to get the word. So I, I just I have this question. It's like, have you ever stopped and asked yourself? Everybody say yourself. Have you ever stopped and asked yourself, am I better today than I was last year? We typically kind of sort of do that a little bit when we talk about New Year's resolutions, right? Because we're trying to like case where we are and where we need to go. But have we put it in these terms? Am I better today than I was last May? Am I better today than I was six months ago? Am I better today than I was last week? 
Am I better today than I was? How about yesterday? Am I better? I think sometimes we get so consumed with the functionality of life, just you know, doing what we do. We wake up, we go to work, we take care of our kids, we take care of our families. We have the occasional brunch with the girls. You know, we go fishing with the guys. We just get so busy doing what we do, it becomes sort of kind of monotonous and we just do what we do. But when do we stop and really take a real assessment and ask ourselves, am I better today than I was yesterday? Because if we're not getting better, what is the point of living? We've been given additional days to progress in becoming better. Do you understand we've been given additional days to become better? That's the whole point. And so it's oftentimes very challenging for us because better requires that I got to do some work. Right? So the goal of this Better Me series is really to motivate all of us, us included, right? Yeah. To become a better version of ourselves. Like I want to be better than I was yesterday. I want to be better, a better wife in the next 35 years than I've been in the previous 35 years. Because as a wife and as married people, we could just get on, you know, this could be like autopilot right here. This is what we do. You get up earlier than me. Well, he's done that all his life. And then he come in there and he, sweetheart, it's time to get up because me and the pillar got a relationship. And when my head hit the pillow, I, I'm just out because I, I, you know, I'm mentally, I'm drained. And so he'll come in there and he'll give me a morning massage and I'll get up and sometimes fix his breakfast if, if he hadn't already fixed it and done all of that. I could just go on autopilot, but what's the next? Like this could be good enough for a lot of people. This could just be, but like, what, what's the next? What is the next phase of where I want to go in my marriage? Because at some point what I've discovered about human nature is at some point when we're really not progressing and growing, have you ever noticed that you get irritable? Yeah. You ever notice that? Because intuitively and inwardly, you were created to progress. The Bible says that we go from glory to glory to glory. So even though we get into the routine of life and we get into a system and we're not moving forward, somehow we register all the time. We don't know what it is until someone points it out like I just did. We don't know what it is, but you get irritable. But it's, it's said, when you said we go from glory to glory, mm -hmm. from glory to glory, think about this, from one situation to the next in life, it's only glorious if I got victory in whatever situation it is. Otherwise, I'm just going from one headache to, to another, another headache, headache to another headache, yeah. and it's compounding. And guess what else is compounding? My frustration, yeah. my anxiety, my discouragement, because I'm not seeing any victory in life whatsoever. So yeah, the Bible even says, we press towards the mark of the high calling of God in I, Christ I Jesus. Go there later. You gotta go to, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all in the message. No, I'm ready. We could, we could go yeah, because yeah. we could just read the scripture. He said, let, he, said he's, he said he's teaching that he's using pastors to perfect the saints. Yep. But guess what? You got a role to play in it because it said, let us go on unto perfection. Yeah. So That's we're good. teaching perfection, but you got to receive it to go on into it. That's right. That's good, babe. A perfect example of that, I mean, no matter where you are in life, 
You can be, you can be, I mean, come on. Some of us snorted coke. Some of us smoked crack. We had illicit sex with whoever. We lied, we cheated, we connived. We come a long way. I heard when she said, how many of y'all better than you were there? I heard a whole lot. Of, oh, yeah. Because you were thinking about from whence you came, right? But I, I think it's important to point out right here because I, we often highlight those things about, you know, illicit sex and, you know, alternative lifestyles and all that kind of stuff in the church. But you're looking at and talking to somebody who's been a church girl all their life. And I think when you flip it to people like me who have my, I never drank, I never smoked, I had one husband, he was the second of two boyfriends, I had, I had, I mean, that, I Just never, lost. <laughs> Saved but lost. Tell her, Liz. Liz know her from way back. Tell her. You was probably shaking your head back then then. I heard a whole bunch of family members saying, mm-mm, he ain't the one. She wasn't here now. Go ahead, go no, ahead. Keep no, it going. Keep going. Was saying he was Let's bring it back. Friends. But anyway, anyway. <laughs> so, so, but when you when you think about people like me, you know, I think you could get not lost, not lost. I think you can get the mindset like, like you don't need to do anything to get become better. You understand what I'm saying? Because I've been doing this and I've never backslid. I've been a you know not just a church girl. I've been a Christian, a practicing disciple for all 57 years of my life. This is who I am, this is what I do. So it's not just relate, because I think that religious spirit could get on people like me and think like, hmm. I have arrived, everyone should be like moi. I am the example, but we're not. Because Jesus is the example, right? And so I think it's important to make sure that we cover both spectrums. Both spectrums. The religious mindset, like that Pharisee and Sadducee mindset, they, they couldn't hear from Jesus and progress in their own relationship with him because they thought they knew it all. They thought they had it all together. That was the main thing. They were prideful. They thought, they, what, what can Jesus tell us? He walking around here with sandals. He got them old fishermen and tax collectors. He got the lowest, uh, like, what can he tell me? And that's what the religious yeah. mindset does. So you can, be, you can be the worst of what I talked about on one um, spectrum, and you can be high and mighty, think you know it all. This message is for you. Right. Paul was a perfect example. He said, I'm the chief. He said, I'm a, he said, I'm a Pharisees of the Pharisees. But then he broke that thing down. I was looking at it, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. He said, I wronged no man. Wow. I mean... In Romans chapter, was it, chapter 8, he was killing, he was consenting to them killing and stoning Stephen. He was right. He said, let me hold your coat. And then he's talking about, I have wronged no man because he got a revelation when he met the Lord himself on that Damascus road. He got a revelation of who he wasn't. That's ooh, ooh, who he wasn't. Ooh, ooh, he ooh. thought he was all this. Until he had an encounter with God that showed him the real him. So, and he had to check himself. Man, I wronged no man. I, I'm not my past, who I was. That I have never heard that before. Because we always say Paul got a revelation of who he was. In other words, who God has created him to be. You just said he got a revelation of who he wasn't. I need you to, I need you to take that further. Like... What do you mean when you say he got a revelation of who he wasn't? 
He thought that he was the high might. He thought that he knew he was what he was doing. I mean, he was persecuting Christians. He was, they were coming with a doctrine that was contrary to what the Pharisees, the Pharisees went, hey man, you do, you take care of Caesar's thing. You listen to us, do what we tell you to do. It even talked about, they went to the marketplace. They would pray, they would, uh, they would grind, they would whine, they would do their hermeneutics and everything. He says, uh, sound, the Bible says, sound and fury signifying nothing. Had no love, just fake Jacob for the people. Had no love, no regard for taking care of the people's well-being, but how they looked in their eyes. That's, that's, powerful. that's what he was doing. He was living there. He said, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I was steeped in religion and tradition. Yeah. Yeah. He said, that's who I was. And he thought he was, he thought he was doing right so much to the point he was killing Christians. Yeah. But thought he was justified in it. He was justified. Because that's the other end of the spectrum. Thought he was justified in it because when you putting his mouth on people and all that stuff, you, that, you, you know, that's how you kill people. He said, you, this is why we got to be so careful in the body of Christ because the Bible says that we should accept people in the church or people should come to God just the way that they are. No requirement to clean yourself up, to do nothing. Where do we get this mindset in the church? to tell people that you need to get yourself together. You cannot. You do not possess in and of yourself, I do not possess in and of myself, the ability and more importantly, the power to get myself together. So Jesus says, come just like you are. Just like and you then are. people somehow hear that, they come just as they are, but then we got a problem because the pants too tight, the skirt too tight, we don't like what their relationship look like, they shacking or maybe they in same sex or whatever, they doing stuff, oh, but I thought he said come as you are. Come as you are mean come with all your stuff. We, we don't care what you look like in this church. We, 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 don't, we don't care what you doing. I don't care because it's not my job to clean you up. It's my job to teach you the word and then the Holy Spirit in you begins to activate. Somebody say, Holy Spirit, activate. He begins to activate on the inside of you. Nobody in this church can ever say, Minister Ava, nobody in this church could ever say that I told people you need to do X so you can do, so that you can live right. I never teach that. I tell people one thing, come to church consistently. That's all I need you to do is show up. Because if you show up, the God I know, I have confidence in the God that I know. If you just show up, all he needs you to do is show up. Ooh, I'm talking to somebody today. All God needs you to do. See, y'all think I'm talking about unsaved stuff right now, but there's a place for this better me that all God needs you to do is show up. Show up in your thought life. Show up and God can begin to take you to a different and a better place. And notice, I did not say a best place. A better place, because best indicates that you have arrived. We're going to a better place, because once we get to that place, it's going to be another better place. And once we get to that place, it's going to be another better place. And then once we get there, another better place. This is why in every move that we have made to in this church, we've outgrown three locations, right? Three locations? We're on our fourth. We just out, we're outgrowing this one now. And guess what? A smart strategic leader who follows God never waits for the people to overflow. You got to watch how God does stuff. What did he tell Abraham? He said, go and I'm going to show you. Because God already knew it was there. 
He told Moses where the promised land was before he even delivered the people. Why? Because God will give you the vision. You see, I got to take you there. When we moved in this place, every place we've been, the first day I said, don't get comfortable in here. Don't get comfortable in here. Because when it's time to shift and move, you got to be ready to go. Because there's a better place for this city church. And guess what? After that, it's going to be another better. And another better. And another better. And as this church goes, so goes your life. If your life is not moving and increasing the way and the direction that this ministry is moving and increasing, we got a problem. We got we to gotta identify what is happening. Because if you've been in this ministry at least a year, there ought to be something moving or shaking in a, in a different direction, in a better, in a greater direction. If it's not, you can either call my office because we, we got to see what the problem is. <laughs> Because I already know what's on my life. I know what's on his life. I know what this assignment is. If you ain't moving in the direction we're going, we got to identify what is the problem. Because as the pew goes, the pew going to go, amen? As the pulpit goes, so does the pew. I had, uh, you talk about, uh, we, we get back to our lesson notes, but we're talking about moving from being stagnant Mm -hmm. to a life that's productive and moving, that's going. Good. Listen to this right here. This is a, a, I love, I read this in the message, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And it says, it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. Mm. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You Ooh, filled your lungs. That, that. You, you, you told the world, you let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. Wait, can we pause there? Did y'all hear that? He said we, we, that's real preaching. He said we allow the world who knows nothing about living. But that's where our comfort is. The world, you, God is telling us the world knows nothing about living. And when he's talking about that, he's talking about the way that God knows. Listen living, to this. Right? You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief Ooh. and then exhaled disobedience. But it says we all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a, so it's so wonder that God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. Right. He took our sin, dead lives, and made us alive in Christ. He did it all on his own with no help from us. Wow. Wow. So what is he telling us? He's telling us to shift our mindset. And, and that's really what I'm asking you today because we're really just introing the lesson today. I'm asking you to prepare and to shift your mindset, to position yourself, to open up yourself to a different way of thinking. To understand that it's time to make a paradigm shift towards not only just talking God talk, but looking how God looks. Living how God expects us to live. And what it starts with, it starts with us personally. It starts with us personally. You got to get, somebody said you got, what's that, cool hand loose? You got to get your mind get right, your mind boss. Right. Get your mind right, boss, because it starts with your mind. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
The problem is, I know a lot of people misquote that because they, they say, as a man thinketh, so is he. No. The Bible says, as a man thinketh where? In his heart. Why? Because your heart is the core of your being. You got to do a heart assessment. What is going on on the end? What do I believe about myself? What do I believe about God? What do I believe about church? What do I believe about life? Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. He's saying, as a man thinketh in his heart is what you will be. So I'm asking you to open up your thoughts, open up your mind. I'm asking you to, to strengthen or lengthen your stride. Speaking of Philippians, where Paul said this 3, 12 through 16, this is what he said. I'm reading the God's Word translation. He says, it's not that I've already reached the goal. This is Paul. He said, I'm not saying I've already reached the goal or have already completed the course. But this is what I do. I do, he says, I run to win. I run to win that which Jesus Christ has already won for me. That can become an oxymoron. He said, I am running to win what Christ has already won for me. AKA, I am running to win the healing that God has already run for me. I am running to win the peace that God has already won for me. I am running to win the prosperity that God has already won for me. Why? Because there is an enemy that will try to keep you from living it. So Paul says, I run, I press towards it so I can obtain that which I know God has already done for me. This is why I press. This is why I want to become better. This is why I push harder. He said, I do not look back. I lengthen my stride. Mm. Lengthen my stride. You better, somebody better, he said, I lengthen. What does that mean to you when I say, I lengthen my stride? What does that uh, we mean? We got any runners in the house? Any runners? Any long distance runners? runners? I'm not talking about sprinters, but long distance runners. When you a long distance runner, if you got a long journey, you know, I don't know, 10 ki kilometers or something like that, you know, many, many laps around the uh, track. When you first start out, you know, you just, you, 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 you keeping up with you, you, somebody is setting the pace. pace. Somebody's setting the pace and you just make sure you stay with the group. But then once that journey is nearing towards the end and there's a prize, you got to stretch out a little bit longer. Cause you gotta go from keeping the pace. You gotta start to step it up because victory is dependent upon you increasing your stride. And that's the only way you catch up and pass because you gotta just stop just being average. You gotta pick up that pace and step it out. That's what they're talking about, lengthening their stride. You just said victory, my victory, man. My victory is dependent upon me lengthening my stride. Otherwise, you're just going to be average, and you'll have second, third. You might not even place. You'd be like fifth or sixth if you don't lengthen your stride. And then you're just running because you ain't running, won nothing. Running, and, and, and you have not obtained the prize. So here's the thing. As a church, as a universal church, why are we running but not obtaining the prize? I've been running for Jesus for 30 years, and I'm still sick. I've been running for Jesus for 30 years and I still am struggling financially. I'm running, I'm keeping the place, but I ain't lengthen my stride. I dare somebody get up and just, I dare you just to lengthen your, lengthen your stride. Add, add, that, add that next part, that run straight. Look, look, add that run yeah, straight. Lengthen your stride. Yeah. Because we, we've been, Pastor Derek, that is so profound, we've been running. 
That's all we've been doing, running. But we ain't moved nowhere. We just running because we keeping pace because ain't nobody challenged us to kick that leg forward and lengthen your stride. We just keeping pace. When we gonna stop keeping pace and stop making change? Change agents lengthen their stride. I can't stay in the same spot and expect something to change in my future. If I want a better job, I get better education. I lengthen my stride. If I want a healthy body, I eat better. I lengthen my stride. So lengthening your stride, Paul is talking about, he said, you gotta stop just keeping the pace. We ain't keeping pace no more, y'all. All I'm doing by keeping pace is wearing my breath out. But it's something about, I'm not even a runner, but I used to run around the track. I ain't no runner like that, but I used to run. And let me tell you, one thing I noticed is that when I got big enough, bold enough, and after I kept the pace for a while, I didn't like the pace. Something in me was propelling me to go faster, go harder. I'm not even a runner. And I could remember running on that track. God was saying to me that if you want to go a mile, you can't keep, and a mile is four times around the track. He said you can't keep running at the same pace. He said if you want to make the mile, you got to pick up your pace, a.k.a. lengthen your stride. I did that the following week, and then a week after that, I was running around the track four times, nonstop. I probably need to go back to the track. But anyway, because I'm out of breath. What's the sense of running? You right. ain't get a ribbon. Y'all remember? Y'all ever been in, a, in somebody's bedroom who was an athlete? They got the ribbons all on that. What do you have? That mirror in your, that mirror, and that mirror had a little hook, and it got all them little blue. And you really know the blue. What blue was first place, right? Yeah. If you had yellow, that was like third <laughs> place. You don't, you you didn't have a lot of yellow, but you had all them blue ribbons and stuff. Wait, red, okay, red or blue was for first place. I remember blue ribbon running, but red ribbon was first. I know yellow was third place. <laughs> yellow wasn't nothing. I don't want a bunch of yellow. I want a bunch of blue, a bunch of red. What's the sense of running? You ain't winning for a prize. Derek, I had Derek in karate. Derek was learning Taekwondo, and Derek, Simba Dojang. Anybody know Simba Dojang in the Washington, D.C. area? Them boys was assassins. And Derek, when they, when they practiced, they practiced like they fought. They didn't practice, oh, just, they were, they were breaking nose. Derek, am I telling the truth? Black belts was breaking other fellow black belts of the same fight club, breaking their nose. Derek hated, he hated practice. He hated practice. <laughs> but when it came time for competition, that boy got karate, he got kung, kung fu de demonized. I mean, that, that, you know what spirit. I mean. It was you a know, spirit. It spirit was, took over. That boy wanted that ribbon. He hated practicing, but he loved the competition. Why? Because he saw that trophy. He saw them ribbons. It's the same Ooh, way in life. Good. What's the sense of us just doing life and not winning any prize in yeah, life? Yeah, yeah, not yeah. having any victory. Just living life. Just going through the motions. Yeah, I'm running. Okay, coach made me run. No attempt to win and come in first and get that prize. Look, look, look at somebody God say, got a whole bunch first. of prizes. I'm coming in first. Come on. I'm coming in first. So Paul says, I don't look back. I lengthen. Oh, I missed that part. I don't look back. Because you can't lengthen your stride and look back. So he said, he first says, I don't look back because ain't nothing for you in the rear view. Some of y'all stuck in the past. Ain't nothing. Leave it there. Ain't nothing for you. You cannot drive looking in the rear view mirror. Okay, let your past be gone, it's over with. Look at somebody, encourage them, say whatever it was, it's over with, it's done, it's done. Now it's time to lengthen your stride. 
He said, and I run straight. Okay, hold on, hold he on. Said, I now, run now you gotta add that element in there. You can run, you can lift in your stride, but if the the goal line is that way, and I lift in my stride, I'm going this way. Something's wrong. You gotta run straight. They say the shortest distance between two points is a what? Straight line. A straight line. So you gotta turn right to get to your goal, and that's what a lot of us are doing. We coming over here. We trotting over here. We chilling and doing like this. We get into the goal, but then we come over here. We, we come back to church. We back on that straight. And then we get back over here. We run over here. We zigzagging. And we're lifting the amount of time that it takes for us to run this course. But if you just go straight. Just, if you just go straight, you, you will get straight. where you want to go yeah. quicker. Yeah, yeah. You will not have Look. to. You, a hard head makes a soft. So you just got to go straight. You got to go straight. Stop because taking them licks in life. Learn how to go straight. And obedience is better than sacrifice. Yes, yes, yes. When you're not obedient, you sacrifice a little bit over here. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you left a little something with him. You left a little something with her. You sacrificed your soul because you did things over here that God didn't call you to do. Yeah. Over here, this direction is the way God wants you to. Right, and then he gives us the map. Because what you did this right there, that was like connect the dots. It was all over the place. All over Follow the, place. the dots. But we don't have to connect the dots with Jesus because he gave us the straight path. This is what he said. He said, I set before you life and death. Then he said, choose life. That's what Pastor Derek is talking about. Because you don't have to be in and out, up and down, all around. That's why my famous word in this ministry is consistency. Consistency is the straight line. Consistency is the straight line to the victory. So he says, I want straight toward the goal, straight towards it, to win the prize that the Heavenly Father offers in Jesus Christ. Whoever has a mature faith should think this way. You see, it requires some maturity. See, we expect if you're a new believer for you to do the jig-jag. But mature believers, if you want to be described as a mature believer, the Bible says that this is how you think. You take the straight path. Even though the straight path may be uncomfortable. Even though the straight path people may not agree with. Even though the straight path you yourself don't understand, but you know it's the straight path. He says mature believers take the straight path. We ain't jigsawing all over the place. Because as a mature believer, there's a way that I live. And the way that I live is I love God. I honor God. I take care of my family. I take care of this ministry. I'm an upright and upstanding person in the community. That's how I live. Anything outside of that ain't on my path. It's not part of the path that God has called me on. So we got to make a decision about becoming better in that. And then he says, and if you think differently, whoa, watch this. I love Paul. He said, this is how a mature believer thinks. He said, but if, if you think differently, God will show you how to think. In other words, we don't have no excuses. This is what the way you should think as a mature believer in Christ, but if you so happen not to know how you should think, God's gonna show you how you should think. What do you think God's doing right now? Showing us how to think? You, you ever wonder why Paul was the one that wrote almost uh, three quarters of the New Testament and not one of the disciples that walked with Jesus? Hmm. You ever think about that? Remember right before he, uh, he was crucified, he had an encounter where he walked on the water to them and they were freaking out. Peter came out, bid me to come out, and he walked. But he said, oh, ye of little faith. They 
joker's been with him for three and a half years, and they still got little faith. Paul said, man, I, I got more understanding than all of y'all. He said, because I got my revelation from God. Meaning they was with him. They was in his presence for three and a half years and didn't mature their faith. Peter cussed, cussed him out. I don't know. Mammy, family, I don't know him. The day, of course, he thanked God. He, he, Jesus had prayed for him. Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. Peter, but I have prayed for you. You're going to deny me three times, boy. Then he called Peter back and said, tell Peter I have need, for him, need of him. And he ended up ministering. So there's hope for you. But Peter, the reason why he had one of the disciples, because they were walking with him and they never seemingly got the revelation of what Jesus was saying. And they still had a little faith. Paul said, man, I got revelation straight from God. Yeah. He said, God showed me these things. That's what you need. You can be in church and been here for years. And you're wondering why your life hasn't progressed. You're just sitting there and just yeah. really existing. Instead of revelating, letting the words admonish you and develop you and encourage you on and get those words into your heart. Let it penetrate your heart so you can, some of y'all need a heart transplant. Yeah, I, yeah I, I just, I think we're just so passionate because we've been doing church for so many years and we've seen it all. We are both extremely passionate about this mindset in the church that this is just what we do, but God's people, you, you living, but you don't have life. You don't have, that's right, Pastor Terry, you don't have the Zoe life of God. Mm. The Zoe life of God is a life that gives, it changes things. You just, you just living, but there's no life. That is not the picture that God has for this community of believers. We're supposed to be the representation of the earth. People are supposed to look at you and your life and what's going on in your life because that's all they can recognize. They're supposed to look at you and say, what is it about you? How is it that no matter what's going on in your life, you got this joy? How is it about no matter what your kids are doing, you still declare the word that says that the generation of the upright will be blessed? It's like nothing can take you down because it shouldn't when God's raised you up. There's nothing that can take me down. You, you got to recognize who you are. Absolutely. You're a new creature. You're the righteousness of God. Absolutely. You're sons adopted by God. Yeah. You, are a, you are a chosen generation, yeah. a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. You are the child of the most high God. When you, you are loved by God. Yes. He loved you. You didn't choose. He chose you. He sent his son while he would, you were yet sinners. Christ died for all of us. When you recognize who you are, I say that all the time. Devil, you don't know, but I'm telling you who I am. I'm a child of the Most High God. Yeah. I'm a king's kid. Back up. You done already had your head busted. You done already been showed an open show. He made an open show. Everybody knows you're a defeated foe. I'm reminding you that I know my place in Christ. See, when, when de the devil comes, to, he does. Anybody ever been sucker punched? You couldn't fight? Boop, you just let the, the bully punch you in your mouth and you kept on going? I, I'm one person like that. I, I got tired of that. I got tired of, of being the nice kid. Because, see, I grew up my, my mother. My mother was a fighter. My daddy showing up was a fighter. But he wasn't around in my early days to rub off and let me know, hey, don't take nothing for nobody. 
because that, that'll make the next guy want to bully you. But the moment I learned myself that I had to defend myself when I got attacked, everything changed. Oh, he got some with that size. And no, no longer could they just punch me in my mouth. You got to stop letting the devil sucker punch you, and you got to let him know who you are. Because he's going to do it if you don't fight back. If you're not fighting a good fight of faith back, boop. Oh, she ain't do nothing. He ain't do nothing. I'm going to get him again. Right. Boop. He hits you again until you stand up and fight for yourself. That's right. You got to fight the good fight of faith. Stop so, being punked in life. Because the thing with the enemy, and I think we're going to close right here. The thing with the enemy is that he will wrap that, clothe that, and present that like that's what you deserve. Mm. And you got to free yourself of that because what you deserve is what God says you deserve. And not, not the family you were born into, not your job, not what you think you have or don't have in life. You're, you have or have opportunity to live and move and be in what God says you are. And so in this Better Me series, we, we got to start with the mindset because we got to make sure you're thinking like God thinks about you. And the thing about it is, I noticed with people, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more next week, we're so focused on the culture outside of us as believers. And God said this to me when I was studying. He said, tell the people to stop focusing on the culture outside and start focusing on the culture that's in the inside of them. You know you have created a culture for your life. And we're going to challenge that culture because some of the culture that we've created for our lives is not God culture. It's not kingdom culture. And so we're going to stop focusing on the competition outside because this whole Better Me series is about competition within yourself. How are you going to challenge yourself to be better? That's going to become the priority. Not competition against somebody else or something else we see in the world, but competition with myself. And really, that's the only competition you should ever have. Because the old man is gone. The old man when, is gone. The, the moment you accepted Christ in your life, the old man was crucified. He was gone. You don't have, you're not a new creature in Christ, and you're still operating in the old man. The old man was gone. Yeah. The vestiges of the old man, that program that you grew up on all your life, is still at work. And that's why you got to have your mind yeah. renewed to who God said you are in life. Yeah. Yeah. Man, God is good. I need y'all. Anybody going to lengthen their stride today? Come on, let's stand and worship God as we get ready to go home. I want you to just think about what we have talked to you about today. This is a stretching season. Now, let me, let me help you. Let me help you with something. Whenever God places his people in a stretching season, the stretching is for you to be able to handle the capacity that he's planning for you. This is why we have to learn not to resist stretching, not to resist pressure and challenge because it's that stretching that makes room within you so you can handle the next. So, so leadership is being stretched. Staff is being stretched. Team leaders are being stretched. Partners and parishioners are being stretched. Why? We got to stretch where we are because the next that I talked about doing the offering, where we're going, we're going to need to be stretched to handle that.
Because guess what? If we don't stretch, we can't handle it. Let me help you with that. So when we were serving our pastors for 20-something years, we started off with one location. Then he started stretching us. Why? Because God told him we were going to have another location that was 30 miles south of the north location. So that means that everybody had to stretch. Why? Because all of the staff, we now had to go to 8 o'clock service and 11 o'clock service on the north side. And then in between 8 and 11, drive to 930 service on the south side. Somebody say stretch. He had to stretch us so that we could understand that we could handle it. I didn't think we could handle three services on a Sunday. So when my pastor started talking to us about that, of course, all of us were sitting there looking at him like some of y'all looking at me, deer in headlights. Because we didn't know we had a capacity, but a leader with a vision will always stretch you to the next level. And so we were doing three services on a Sunday morning. Then he decided that he wanted to have a Sunday afternoon service, so now we got four services on a Sunday. And then God showed him a building in Baltimore, 45 minutes up the Beltway, and Beltway traffic ain't no joke. So church start at on a Saturday. So now I got 8 on a Sunday at Temple Hills. I got 9.30 on a Sunday at Brandywine, 30 minutes away. Then I go back to 11 o'clock service, me and Pastor Derek and our two kids. They were little. Somebody say stretch. And our two kids. We go back to the 11 o'clock service. And then 11 o'clock service, church in by 1.30. Then we go back that night at 5. Then pastor want to stretch us again under the direction of God. And now, can we got a Saturday evening service? I think I done been about stretched as far as I can go. I had no idea. We had no idea that we were going to be able to do that. So now, we go to church on Saturday at 6 p.m. So now we leave our house on Saturday at 4 to get to a 6.30 p.m. service on time. Leave there Saturday night just 9, 30, 10 o'clock because I don't leave the building unless my pastor gone. Because I got to make sure that's my honor for him. And then now I'm up again at 6 o'clock Sunday morning for four more services, Minister Cookie. I didn't think I could do it, but guess what? You are capable of more than what you think you're capable of. This is why God wants you to stretch. Now, but 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 can you make a can you make a point? Make a point on that. What to make them stretch? The the ministry grew to over fourteen thousand. Yep. But the only way God was able to replicate it from one location to another is you all. Yep. This maturity principle we talking about yep. getting better. People that made their mind they're not going to be static. They're not going to stay the same. They're going to go after this thing with the tenacity. Right. And he looked and said, what? I see some faith out there. I think we take this down to Brandywine and replicated it in Brandywine. He said, what? I heard they keep wanting me to come up to Baltimore. What? I see enough people between uh, Oxen Hill and Brandywine. Let's go do this thing again in Amen. Baltimore. We wasn't just having church, just be having church. We were making we were impact. Changing lives. Changing lives. 14,000 at the time. We were changing lives. Now, let me just make this disclaimer. We're going to do whatever God tells us to do in this church, right? God ain't told me nothing about having multiple services, so some of y'all can start breathing again. Because some of y'all stop breathing. Y'all was like, oh, Lord, is this us? Huh? Y'all looking up. That ain't what God said yet, but if he did say it, 
we're going to do what God said to, right? But what he has said is you're getting out of this building and you're going to your own. That's what he has said. And that we're going to do because we're going to increase our capacity and lengthen our stride in our health, in our finances, in our mental, all of this to be able to handle what God has called us to handle. Amen. Come on. Do you receive the word today? Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you. To connect and find out more about Lift City Church, text Connect Me, all one word, to 337-227-9820 or visit us at liftcitychurch.org.